This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome back to our Be Well podcasts. Today we're going to discuss alcohol and the effect it has on our lives and the impact it can have on our health. Joining me today I have Bill, who is a history lecturer at the university, Natalie, MA English and Creative Writing student, and Tilda, a member of our university alumni community. Can we do some quick introductions so our listeners know who you are and why you volunteered to be part of our podcast today? Well, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bill Nafee. Um, as you said, I'm a, a lecturer in the history department. I've been at Aberdeen now for, well, a quarter of a century. And my main reason for being involved is you kindly asked me to come along. Uh, I'm Natalie. Uh, I am a fourth year English with creative writing student. Um, and I'm doing this because I think that uh, this is something that alcohol is something that hasn't really been discussed too much. And I think it's important to, to sort of get lots of different views and opinions on it, especially in the student body. And my name is, as mentioned, Tilda. So I am an alumnus of the University of Aberdeen. I graduated in 2020 after four years of doing business management and international relations. Uh, I bring with me today the perspective of someone who uh, went my entire university career and actually my entire life without having a single drink. So I am bringing the sober perspective with me today. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. And thanks so much for joining me. So we all have different motives for drinking. For some, it can be the taste or to be sociable. For others, it might be to escape problems or to get drunk. There are also people who don't drink. This could be down to a number of different factors. A common one might be religion. What are your thoughts on this? Why do we drink? And is it a sense of pressure to drink at university? Um, I think that a lot of the reasons that students start drinking, especially at university, is because it's one of the first times that you're sort of independent and you're away from your family, you're away from home. Um, it's a time that you sort of start exploring what it is that uh, you want to do and, and who, you're, who you're sort of going to be. Um, I think that drinking sort of plays a big part in this, especially sort of around freshers uh, fairs um, and the start of university, because it's a way that is socially acceptable to sort of loosen up and to to have a good time and you know that a lot of people are going to be involved in it. Um, I do think there is a pressure on students to drink, um, especially from their peers and especially round about the sort of start of the start of the new semester and things, um, which I think can be it can be quite a destructive pressure. Um, I think especially if people aren't necessarily uh, used to uh, drinking um, as well. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think there's definitely a huge norm in our society to uh, engage in drinking as you grow up. And I think especially um, hearing as children uh, being targeted with these messages of alcohol being a grown-up drink and being something that adults do when they socialize or when they celebrate. Um, I think then that when you transition into adulthood and when you go through those experiences of growing up, it's natural for you to want to engage in these experiences that we've been told are instrumental uh, to adulthood. And so um, the normalization of alcohol as part of the human experience is, um, it really just like has become the norm in our society so it's definitely been normalized a lot and so i think as someone who doesn't drink and didn't drink during university 
um, but still engaged in social activities such as going to bars, going to parties, going out with friends. Um, being the person who goes against the norm has always been, I've not been faced with rude question, but it's always been surprising and frankly a little um, unsettling to a lot of people simply because it is going against a normalized standard and a norm. And so, um, so I definitely do think that it's something that can be considered unique when you don't drink. And that really speaks to how, how very normalized it is to, to drink really. Yeah. I think historically there've been all kinds of reasons, many of which you mentioned why people drink and the place of alcohol in society, but very often it's been associated with ritual, uh, bonding events, and because it has this effect on the mind, it's been interpreted as, as often as being something that allows you to be in touch with other things, whether it's the gods or spirits or stuff like that, but also with, with just wider thoughts. So, you know, the Greeks with the symposium, the idea that, you know, you get these really interesting ideas if you all sit around and drink a little bit. Um, obviously, what is really interesting historically is when an acceptance of drinking moves into a lack of acceptance of drunkenness. And there's always been that sort of tension there that, that drinking to be merry, to be mind expanding is okay, actually maybe even good, but falling down drunk is very often seen as being not a social good and even a socially problematic issue. Yeah, I can definitely... Um agree with the fact that it's often about expanding a mind and uh, looking back at my own sort of school experience even before university when I was in upper secondary school in Sweden and um, we had a philosophy paper due this was around when we were 17 18 19 um, there was a philosophy paper due and one of my classmates he the night before hadn't written it and so he came in the day of uh, showing us his paper saying that oh well I always get so philosophical when I am drunk. So he'd had about six six shots of tequila uh, and then written his paper, which then didn't turn out to be the best paper, but he had um, engaged in this theory of sort of uh, expanding his mind. Um, but I do think a lot of it comes down to the fact that when we drink alcohol, we don't have as many inhibitions on our thoughts and on what we say. So we definitely censor ourselves less uh, because when we're sober, we might feel uh, as though there will be judgment from uh, those around us from what we say, but we also might just prevent ourselves from saying certain things. So I do think alcohol uh, has an impact on what we allow ourselves to to say and to express. Yeah, I'd really like to agree with that. I mean, I certainly have from personal experience, especially in creative writing as well, where you need that sort of creativity and that uh, little bit of more open-mindedness. I certainly had a glass of wine or two before sitting down to write something before um, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing if if it helps, but I think the problem comes is in when, for some people, knowing when, when to stop, like when you've reached that level of, okay, this is this is enough to, to help me get through this piece of writing, but I need to, like, step back um, and maybe not, not go too far. It can also quite often serve as a bonding ritual, an element of that. And that's where sometimes you find drunkenness does have a sort of, social place where the 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 humiliation that quite often can go along with being utterly drunk falling down drunk is is seen as something that bonds people together and i mean you see that in 
modern society, but, you know, drinking clubs in the 19th century, an awful lot of what bound them together was the fact that when they were totally drunk, they humiliated themselves and they shared these memories that were kept within the group, but they held the group together. They, they bound them together. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to hear all, all your guys' views and perspective. I, I, I definitely feel that a lot of people do do drink in, in fear of, of missing out um, from what their friends are doing and they potentially maybe don't even are maybe not even that concerned or bothered about trying to drink, but because their friends are, they, they feel like they have to too. And I think as well, definitely a lot of people you will drink for a little bit of Dutch courage, like it's much easier to to chat to people. The you know you let all your inhibitions go. Um, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. And I guess um, like you were saying, Natalie, in terms of of creative writing and stuff as well, it's it's really in. I suppose it's when when does that get problematic? Like I even having a drink a day, you don't have to typically be like an alcoholic who's drunk, falling over all the time. But if you rely on that drink to I don't know, attend a particular meeting or something, then that can still be problematic drinking rather than just their typical alcoholics. I think that can sometimes be an interesting perspective to look at as well. And we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I wonder if you guys have had any personal experiences when you've felt peer pressured to drink and have you been judged by your friends for choosing not to? I mean, uh, yes, I can definitely take this one um, as someone who doesn't drink at all. Um, I've definitely been met with all sorts of reactions to my choice not to drink. Um, and as a result, I've definitely made it a point to surround myself with people who won't be weird about won't be weird about it. Um, and so, there's definitely reactions, but then considering especially just the reactions of strangers is very, very telling. Um, I remember quite clearly when I had just moved to Aberdeen uh, and was setting up shop in Hillhead, and I was I was at the local Little uh, buying groceries, etc. that I needed. And I remember quite clearly the cashier um, who was ringing up my items was looking at me and went, why, why haven't you bought any alcohol? Uh, because I'd only bought food and such. And I just told him, oh, I just, I don't drink. And he just looked at me and went, well, three months in Scotland and that'll change it. So yeah, so I mean, it's definitely something that's extremely established in society. And it really does, you know, the whole world becomes very worried about you when you, when you don't drink and, uh, and wants to change that um, very much. And then, I mean, more than judgment, I am very much faced with the preconceived idea that I can't have fun because I don't drink. So for me, what I think it has to do with is the fact that so many people start to drink around the same time that they start to create their their own social life. So it's around the time that you start to find friends that are outside of your fam familial circle. Uh, you know, they're not family friends, they're not cousins or siblings or people you've known since you were a child, but they might be people that you choose to surround yourself with. And that usually coincides with when you start you know, experimenting with alcohol. And so I think for a lot of people, those two become interconnected. The fact that you were having fun with people that you've chosen to have fun with, but you were also drinking for the first time. So I think a lot of people conflate the two in their mind, and then it becomes you can't have fun without alcohol, because that's when you started to have fun. And yeah, that did result in me not going to as many parties, absolutely. And in my first year of university, I definitely didn't socialize as much as I 
did in later years because during the first year, what it was about for most students was getting as drunk as possible um, and drinking to blackout. And so I distinctly remember coming into a seminar on a Monday morning with a student who was speaking to his friend saying that the Aberdeen nightlife is terrible, but as long as you don't remember it, it's fine. So there really was that mindset of drinking to blackout. It wasn't drinking to make friends. It wasn't drinking to make memories. And it wasn't drinking to sort of just have fun. It was specifically just to get as drunk as possible. Um, And so obviously I didn't participate that much in that. But I've definitely spoken to people who, when I tell them that I don't drink, approach me with a sense of, oh, I could never do that. I'd never have the courage to go out dancing. I would never have the courage to speak to anyone or be myself if I wasn't drunk. And I definitely do think that stems from the early years of really conflating alcohol with confidence and conflating um, alcohol with friendship and really just like leaving it all up to the alcohol instead of crafting your own sort of, you know, instead of just normalizing it for yourself to go out and have fun dancing. Because for me, I always joke that even though I don't drink, I'll still end up on a table dancing because I just don't have that crutch of alcohol to lean on. So I've kind of had to force myself to don't take my to not take myself so seriously even if I am sober and that very much comes down to just the energy of the evening and I think anyone is able to do that yeah I would definitely have to agree with that I worked in a bar uh during my first year uh here at Aberdeen I also worked in a couple of bars before I started at uni and I remember quite distinctly one night that I went out with people from from that bar job and obviously you're surrounded by alcohol all the time that you're working but you're sort of the only sober one there um like serving all these sort of drunk people so it's a quite interesting uh uh scenario to be in I think but that was a bit of a side note sorry (laughs) um but I I remember quite clearly one night that I went out with people from this bar job and we were celebrating someone uh someone had moved into a new a new job like a full-time job they were very excited and I was just so exhausted and I was like you know I don't actually want to drink anything I just I usually I'll go out and I'll have you know because of where we worked we would get like like cheap cheap drinks from other other bars and I was just like actually I really don't want to to drink at all and it was such a strange scenario to be in because everyone around me was drinking we were always surrounded by alcohol when we were together and so to for me to say actually I'm not gonna have anything I'm just gonna have like a diet coke was quite off-putting for a lot of for a lot of them and I ended up sort of leaving quite early because I was just like you know I'm not having a good time and everyone's just being a bit weird about this so I'm just gonna go home but it was a eye-opening scenario I think um, and something that I hadn't necessarily experienced before. Yeah I'll uh, sort of just piggyback off of what Natalie said here and say that that's actually a very common occurrence for me as well um, especially with people that I'm not I don't know very well um, they'll often be quite taken aback if I say oh I don't drink and immediately assume that I will judge them if they do uh, so I think there's very much Um, someone who does drink and then gets confronted with someone who doesn't might feel as though they're no longer in a sort of safe position of their peers because um, it might just come down to that they are worried that I'll remember what they said the next night or things like that. So 
um, when I sometimes say, oh, I just, I don't drink and they'll just go, oh, is it okay if I do? Of course, of course it's okay that you drink, but there is often sometimes that, um, sort of discomfort in the situation then, um, because they just frankly feel, um, feel watched, I think. And those are the types of situations where I would also just leave early. Yeah, I, I found, I think especially in that, that sort of like group of people, I found that because I had been out drinking with them previously as well, like we did go out a lot. And when we were working, we were always surrounded by drinks as well. So it was an integral part of the sort of relationships that I built with them. So I think for me to say, actually, I'm not going to have anything on this one specific occasion was just such a, a, um, gosh, I can't think of the right word, but it was, it was an odd sort of, uh, decision I think I think they thought they couldn't quite work out why I wasn't drinking even though it was just because I, I was too tired and I just didn't want to you know that didn't seem like a good enough reason for them uh, for me not to drink. I do think there could be considerable cultural differences as well so having grown up in the states where you know quite a percentage of the population will be teetotal, often for religious reasons. If you say you don't drink, it doesn't seem that strange. It just means you don't drink. Um, and coming here, what really struck me was not that there was pressure to drink, but there was pressure to be drunk. And that was something I'd never really experienced before, and particularly publicly drunk. And that really, really struck me as how, how, how very different the drinking culture was from the States and here, and how much here the drinking culture revolves around much more around being drunk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's definitely something I, I can resonate with. I, I feel that there's a lot of different different cultural differences in terms of drinking. And I feel that a lot in the UK and possibly particularly Scotland, I don't really know how it compares to England, but it is a lot of, of drinking to get drunk and I'm going out to get drunk. I'm going out and it is kind of seen as that rather than, oh, I'm going out, as you were saying, Tilda, to like have fun with my friends. It is seen as like I'm going out to get drunk and I won't stop until I'm drunk as such. And I mean, yeah, if that's what you want to do, I suppose that's fine. But there, there it does become some dangers involved with that as well. And that's something that I guess people need to be aware of. And I personally, I have a friend that I go out with when we can go out. Obviously, we can't go out just now during uh, COVID times. But I've got a friend who doesn't drink. And I always feel so much safer on a night out when she is there. Because I know that she's going to look after me. Like, if I maybe have one too many. And I always feel, I just, I have that security blanket of her. Um, that not that I get like that very often, but obviously I ha I ha I have at times, especially when I was a student, and ha just having someone there that could that could take me home at the end of the night, I I just felt so much safer. So I think it's yeah, it's not a bad thing to be going out with people that that don't drink. I personally quite like it. I think there's also a difference culturally with in the states. Most of the time, drinking involves having to drive to something. So almost all groups will have one person who's the designated driver. So the idea that in a night out, someone isn't going to drink seems actually quite normal. In a culture where most people are walking to and staggering back from drink, it's much less of, a, of a, an, you know, an expectation that there'll be someone in the group that's going to be absolutely, totally sober. So I think that also introduces a, a sort of a different element. 
if you know someone is always going to be sober in your group, then then the idea of pressurizing people becomes a little less what you're likely to do because it seems strange then. Yeah, and I think as the designated sober person, you know, by default, it becomes um, very, very telling. This is not to say in any way that uh, you, Becca, uh, have this experience, but or that your friend has this experience, but I would often find with my friends who I was more sort of acquaintanced with, who were a little bit more on the, you know, kind of, yeah, we weren't just fantastic friends, would very often have the approach of, oh, fantastic, you're sober, you will take care of me for the entire night. And then they would proceed to not, you know, care what happened for the rest of the night because they had someone who would take care of them, not necessarily caring if I had a good time, just because since I was out, and I was sober, of course I would, you know, hold their hold their hair back if they ended up being sick or, you know, keeping charge of their credit cards or making sure I don't spend too much money. All of those aspects that they, uh, that they would normally have to care for, for themselves, they now had someone who could sort of nanny them in that situation. Um, so that very early on for me when I was going out with my friends became something that I would be very clearly setting boundaries against, specifically saying, you know, okay, tonight I also want to have fun. That means that I do not want to, you know, I don't want to be in charge of your credit cards. I don't care if you spend too much money. That's something that you have to care about. Um, and my sister, who also doesn't drink, early on had, and is just sort of starting to go out, she had this experience. She was talking to me and she was like, oh, Tilda, there's, they just want me to take care of their stuff and they just want me to, you know, make sure that they don't, you know, spend too much money or go home with that one guy. And I was like, well, don't. Literally let them make their mistakes because you have to go out and have your have a fun night for yourself. So I think, um, you know, I guess sort of advice for people who are looking into not drinking as much or things like that, the importance really lies in making sure that you find the right people around you who understand your reasonings for not being drunk and also understand that that doesn't mean that you can't have a good time of your own. And that, because you can't, it, it's difficult to conflate. Of course you can have a fun night. And of course I love my friends and would of course, you know, if they got sick, take care of them. But there is that sort of, difference between me caring for someone because they are my friend and I am having a good night out with them and me having to put my night on hold because I have an entire group of you know children who want a nanny in that sense uh, so I think there's um there's a really important sort of conversation that needs to be had with people who are as we see a lot more people are going teetotal for various reasons and I think the conversation that needs to be start being had of you know how do we engage with people who don't drink on a night out yeah, I think um, it's, it's really interesting to hear that perspective and it definitely de- depends on like the friendship you have with that person and of course it is that person's responsibility ultimately to look after themselves. I mean, I would never dream of asking anyone to look after my um, um, cars. I mean, maybe some people do, but um, I, I'd be more concerned that I got split up from my friends and I wouldn't be able to pay to get a taxi home <laughs> as such. Um but yeah, it's really interesting to just hear like both sides of the coin that maybe why people are drinking and, and why they don't and the experience that other people maybe have when when they're not drinking. We've spoken a little bit now about maybe why people drink and I'd like, like to explore a little bit now of the impact that it can have um, both long term and short term in our health. And do you guys think that enough people know about the dangers and possible consequences it will have on on their health, like physically, mentally? and socially as well. I think very often people do know, but 
the younger you are, the more you think you're immortal and you just don't care. I mean, that would be this. You just as well say, do people realize the dangers of skydiving or playing rugby or anything else like that? Quite often they do, but they're making a, a perhaps incorrect risk assessment. <clears throat> but but they are making a, an assessment about this may be dangerous, but in these circumstances, I'd rather do X. And I, and I think that that's something people do all the time. Um, and so it's not something that you, you just single out when it, when it comes to drink. And obviously, much of the discussion about the dangers is actually talking about drunkenness <clears throat> rather than drinking. You know, cultures where people will have some wine with um, a meal is very, very different than getting falling down drunk in a pub. Yeah, I mean, um, that's very, very true. And I think coming from having been raised in Sweden, I have a little bit of a different perspective here, considering our the way our socialist government engages with alcohol and specifically the sales of alcohol. So we have um, a monopoly on uh, where the government engages in the only place where you can buy alcohol over a certain percentage. And that is open only at set days and only on set times and things like that. So there is very much a um a system of um i mean p swedish people get drunk swedish people are fairly known for being able to handle their alcohol where uh, most of our holidays surround uh, surround schnapps and you know i was singing schnapps schnapp songs when i was very young because i live in a family and i have grown up in a culture that's very uh, that likes to you know drink but it does mean that we are not exposed by buy you know pay buy two or get two for one or special deals on special drinks or uh trying to get us to buy more when it comes to alcohol are uh the, the stores where we buy them from are very 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 good at their the staff are experts at you know food pairings at wine pairings at recipes at what kinds of drinks go with what so they are way way more concerned with making sure that you get quality rather than quantity and that is something that I think is, you know, I mean, it's proven, it's scientifically proven that it has had huge impacts on lowering the general alcoholism levels of Swedish citizens, because not only can you just not access it whenever you want, but you can also be denied if you're too drunk. And there isn't all of that sort of push to buy more. Um, so I think that's a big one for me. But then, I mean, if we go back to the health risks and the implications that alcohol has, I, I quite... I'm quite a big believer in that if we skipped just ahead one generation of people not drinking, if we had one generation where nobody drank and then someone came and tried to introduce alcohol, I mean, that would be banned immediately. It wouldn't be like all of the health risks that's associated with alcohol and all of the, the ways that it affects us are not something that I think any government would really legalize in today's sort of society. I think it's it's a very, very interesting example of sort of the only drug that we publicly allow. Um, and, you know, we've seen, we've tried, we've seen bannings with it. We've seen attempted bannings in, during prohibition and we've seen how that works out. But I think it's a very interesting um, societal phenomenon, the fact that we have alcohol as such a, such a publicly sort of accepted, um, you know, negative influence in our lives, really. Yeah, I think I'd just like to jump off that as well. Like I have found even just between sort of my introduction to drinking and like my sister's introduction to drinking, um, there's quite a big difference, I think, culturally here as well in what 
that has been because of laws that have been brought in by uh, the government. You know, we're not allowed to have happy hours. Um, buy one, get one free is sort of not a thing uh, for alcohol anymore. Um, even, you know, the sort of uh, minimum sales price for alcohol as well. Um, all these things weren't in place, you know, when my sister was first sort of like drinking and being introduced to alcohol. Whereas for me, a lot of these things were already in place. And so I didn't necessarily have those sort of pressures that are perhaps still there, um, you know, down in England where happy hours are still a thing. You can get really, really cheap uh, uh, shots and alcohol and stuff at bars. Um, I think as well for me on the health impact of stuff, I really noticed a lot of the sort of shorter term impacts of things when I was working in bars, because obviously, part of my job in that was to make sure that people weren't getting too drunk, people were looking after themselves and to be a sort of voice of reason for people as well um, when they perhaps had had a little bit too much. And I think, firstly, that was a really difficult position to be in because once you've had a few drinks, you don't necessarily like being told no. Um, so there's sort of ways to go around that, um, that we, we sort of have to work out as bartenders ourselves how best to sort of approach people who were a bit too drunk to say hey maybe take a step back here's a, a free coke for you um have one later on um but I think as well you know I got to witness a lot of times when people did go overboard and weren't able to look after themselves and it was a bit it gave me a, a new perspective on how I should act when I'm going out drinking um sort of not to be that person yeah absolutely I think it's so interesting I was actually going to say that that um alcohol is like the only drug that it is legal and there's more deaths in the UK related to alcohol than there is drugs and drugs are illegal which is really really interesting to think about because there's obviously there's so much physical risks as well as mental risks in terms of effects of alcohol so your physical thinking about like the high blood pressure increased risk of cancer all that stuff that I'm sure everyone's aware of also it can impact on your your risk of fertility so if you're you know consuming too much alcohol on, on a regular occasion that's something that you, you might want to think about maybe it might not affect your life now but it might affect your life in the future and in terms of like the mental risks involved as well um alcohol's a, a depressant so it can um people can suffer a lot from depression with it and struggle a little bit with their memory and concentration and, and even like the the social aspect in terms of um families can be broken up if there's been too much alcohol consumption or people could have financial problems if you then become um addicted and dependent on alcohol so I guess that leads me quite nicely on to how much is too much is it when it has started to impact your health or your work or those around you what do you guys think obviously anytime it starts to have an impact on your your wider life and your physical well-being and your work that is a problem um the the problem we face is that but first of all tobacco is still a perfectly legal drug um, and is extremely dangerous there's a substantial difference though i can't grow tobacco i can make alcohol anyone can all it takes is fruit and a bit of sugar and some time um, distilling alcohol is much harder to do, but that that's sort of the, the, the problem with it. Making something like basic beer is really, really easy to do. So the, the, the question is, 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 you know, how do you stop it from becoming a, a serious problem? And a lot of that is partially education, 
but partially society taking responsibility, as in Sweden and with minimum pricing, just to say, you know, there are there are going to be certain hurdles you have to go through to get this. And in general, society is going to try and make sure that if you do get it, you don't get stupid with it. And 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 that I so you know, there's no particular use of nicotine that's good for you. It, it, it has no value. You can quite easily argue that small consumptions of certain types of alcohol aren't going to hurt you and might actually have some beneficial value to you. The, the thing is, is, though, is it's making sure that that doesn't then shade into something else. And this is really problematic in a culture where drink is being drunk rather than a glass of something with a meal. In a, in a social context where other stuff is going on. That to me is, is the, the real issue there, is, is what needs to be dealt with, is this cultural idea that, that drunkenness is a goal. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think the sort of binge drinking culture that is still so prominent, especially in sort of student population, is really concerning. And it's something that I think is quite difficult to manage as well because a lot of you know a, a lot of students are, are probably not gonna listen if a if a university or the government says hey don't don't drink too much um you know they're sort of exploring their independence and are sort of shirking the the well-meaning help that's being offered to them or advice that's being offered to them um i think sort of how much is too much is sort of a personal Thing as well because you know for some people they're happy to have a glass of wine uh and call it a night you know after that it's just too much but i think the the real sort of problem lies when it is a sort of like constant binge drinking and need to get drunk for the sake of getting drunk instead of to you know socialize or have a good time with your friends um i think that's sort of where the real issues start to arise and I think that's something that people need to be aware of not just you know once in a while but consciously as they're drinking which is admittedly quite difficult um but you know just to think actually do I really want another drink or am I happy at this sort of like tipsy level you know do I really need that another drink to satisfy uh or to make this a good night yeah I think it comes down to any other bad habit really when it becomes a habit is when it's not no longer you know beneficial to you if you have a glass of wine on a friday night because that's you know a special occasion and you have a really nice meal and you want to have that fantastic if you then start to you know suddenly you want to have it on a saturday as well and all of a sudden you know it's tuesday and i'm having a really nice piece of you know pasta or whatever so i want a glass of wine with that so then eventually as it sort of increasingly becomes a habit when you stop thinking about it as something that is a special occasion and it becomes just a part of the meal or a part of your weekend your weekend is just when you go out and get binge drunk like those are not like when they're no longer conscious decisions that's when i think that you need to and that's the tricky part because they're not conscious decisions anymore. So you're not aware of that, that that's sort of becoming a habit. But that's when it's, um, I think, problematic. And that comes to, you know, that that isn't just about alcohol. I think that's a fairly good litmus test for any bad habit. Once it becomes a habit, it's not a good thing anymore. I think just to add to that as well, especially during 
uh, the sort of lockdown and throughout the last sort of year of this pandemic as well, there has been an increase in drinking, especially at home, because we can't go out and we can't do stuff. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of people having a glass or two of wine or beer or whatever at night has become a bit of a habit because there's not much else going on in people's lives. And I think that is also something that can be really concerning because that's a sort of slow creep that you perhaps wouldn't notice consciously, but is going to be detrimental um, sort of long term. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of going to build on that comment as well, Natalie, that during the, the past year, a lot of people have admitted to drinking more than they normally would um, because it's hard. It, it's a hard time. A lot of people have um, alcohol to, to chill themselves out if they maybe had a stressful day at work. And people are probably having more stressful days at work now than they maybe would have this time last year. So I think um, there is a lot of people that definitely are are drinking more and it's quite interesting because the, the national guidance for, for the UK in terms of what is too much, like there's not really, they always say there's not a sensible um, amount to be drinking because all alcohol carries a degree of risk, but they say no more than 14 units of alcohol a week. And to kind of put that into perspective, that's like six medium strength beers a week. Um, and they recommend that you don't drink that. Obviously, if you're on a night out, you're going to drink way more than, than six beers and you know, they're saying this is for the whole week and to kind of spread it out just to limit the the risk and the implications of alcohol on your health. So it is really interesting. I think that a lot of people within the past year and because because of the lockdown, a lot of people probably tend to binge drink and then but don't drink regularly, if that makes sense. Like, so they'll keep, maybe keep all their, their units to, to maybe one night or two nights or something um, and probably go over and beyond that at times as well. But I think now um, with the lockdown, I think a lot of people probably are drinking more regularly, but maybe less often, um, you know, having a couple of a glasses of wine in the evening after a stressful day or like you say, with, with an enjoyable meal. So it, it definitely is changing that little culture as well, I think. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go when we're all out out of lockdown again um, and back into clubs and if people will be um, more content with just um, a glass or two or if it'll go completely the other way I have no idea they'll probably be a mixture of both yeah I think just jumping off that you know I admittedly previously didn't drink that much you know I'd have a couple of glasses of wine um, maybe once or twice a month but I have certainly noticed for myself that I have been drinking more over lockdown um whether that's just sort of to socialise with my flatmates, you know, we don't have anything to do, so let's just crack open a bottle of wine, we can watch a movie, and then you're like, oh, I've made it through two bottles of wine between the three of us, whoops. Um, but also just sort of, I spent some time over Christmas in our flat by myself, and I noticed then as well, I was like, maybe I'll just have a little, a little like gin and tonic this evening, because I've got nothing to do and no one's here. So I'll just have, and that for me was something that I noticed uh, was quite different because you, I usually don't drink alone at all. It's just, I don't find it enjoyable. Um, but that was certainly something I noticed. And I was like, oh, I better keep a note of this and just like be mindful um, of this. Because I think that was a sort of creep that I was talking about. Like, it's okay once in a while to have a little drink by yourself. But if you're going to be doing it constantly, I think that's when there's a bit of a problem. Yeah, I totally can concur, Natalie. Them, that's when it kind of does does creep up on you, and you maybe haven't haven't noticed, and then suddenly it's like, oh, how come I finished this 
this I only bought it last week in my week my week shop how come I'm finished how can I need to buy another one so yeah it is something to maybe just just to, to take note of it and it is okay to you know we're not saying not to not to have a drink I mean that would be unreasonable and it is good to have a drink to if you're if you enjoy it and if it does um relax you I suppose it is just with that that barrier um the fine line of how much is too much and and when's it when is it a problem so I suppose I would just like to say to any of our listeners if they're concerned maybe about their own alcohol consumption or about someone that they love that there is a lot of help and support available um local services in Aberdeen so I can share the the links to that in the episode description so that people can um access them if they are struggling and I would just like to thank you guys for for joining me today I really appreciate you giving up your time and effort to have a discussion about alcohol with me um I've learned from all of your perspectives and experience and it's been really interesting for me so thank you so much and I would just like to thank our listeners for listening and for their continued support with our podcast series and I hope you've enjoyed the episode take care and I will see you next time This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.